Welcome to Nightlight, our home movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight, alongside me. We got Freddy. Always keeping it spoopy. Always and forever. Also known as Nighty Night. Uh, David cannot be here because of technical issues uh, on our end. We were trying to figure stuff out, but it didn't work out. It's an extremely windy day here. And just for safety purposes, we wanted to make sure that David was safe and did not come to the office today to record this. So, David, stay safe. We are still a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down, discuss the ultimate question. Why horror? So with the lights, sit back and let the darkness envelop you. If you like that and want extra horror-related content, head over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. That's like with a one. K. That's right. All right. Continuing things. With our Corporate Horror Month, also known as probably Workplace Horror Month. It's not necessarily in a corporation anymore, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Kinda. But, either way, continuing things with our Have a Bad Day Month, which very excited. This month has been great. Uh, we had American Psycho. We had, uh, which was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You weren't there for that one, right? No. Oh, man. Sadly. Sadly. But a great movie. Great movie. Fantastic great movie. movie. You were there for Mayhem. Yes, That's I was. Right. Yeah, we, we've been ping-ponging between uh, between David and, and Freddie here. So uh, David was was there for American Psycho. You were here for Mayhem. And now you're here for Last Shift. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the film, I just said it. The film that we are talking about right now is going to be The Last Shift. But before we talk about that film, I want to give a very special shout-out to our ghoulish knights over on Patreon.com slash Nightlightpods. name with a K. K. Zachary. What's up, man? We had a, a fun little conversation. You you said that you've been listening to the show for a while, so thank you so much for your, your patronage. Truly, thank you. We love you. We do love you. This episode is going to be 100% dedicated to Zachary. So, Zachary, I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you so much. Nashia, Frank, Kit, Kristen, Laura, Bragalock, Lizzie, Josh, Vaughn, Johnny, Layla, Eric, Kelly, Daniel, Cheyenne, Gary, Stu, Anna, Calvin, Drew, also known as Zion Knight, also known as Podcast Manager, Scare Stuff Podcast, Patrick, uh, Willow, Jessica, Jared, Jasmine, Chantal, Rio, Jesse, Joe, Kaylee, Rob, and last but certainly not least, Freddie. I feel like I have to officially say Chantal's name with so much pizzazz now. <laughs> As you should. <laughs> after I mentioned it in the last, and I think it was the Exorcist episode, after I mentioned it in that episode, I feel like every single time now I, it needs pizzazz. <laughs> okay. The last shift. First and foremost, Freddie, thoughts. There's Man. a Blue Beetle movie coming out. <laughs> uh, and for people who can't obviously see us, uh, yeah. we're using IMDb to like look at stuff and like. <laughs> there's a big, big, big ad for Blue Beetle. Oh the new God. trailer just uh, dropped today. Uh, it looks <laughs> all right. 
I mean, so are we talking about these thoughts? Yeah. So Blue yeah. Beetle, I've never heard of this hero. <laughs> Trash. I, I hope it's his last shift. <laughs> Get to it. I mean, <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I'm getting choked up on this. Oh my on. god. Yeah. No. Go ahead and take some water. Uh, I, you know what? I'll I'll start first. Then I can give my, right. my my thoughts first, right. so you can catch your breath. Uh, last shift. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever given my thoughts first, but mm. I love this movie. Love this movie i think it is so much fun i think it it has it, it's such a, a shocking film for me to have even want to put on it was a flick that i was just scrolling through on tubi one day and i was just like you know what i kind of just want to watch something and i put it on and i was actually very pleasantly surprised so this was my third time watching this oh wow oh no second time watching this excuse me um <laughs> And when I watched it the second time around, I liked it that much more. But I think I liked it more because I watched Malum right before this. And for those who don't know, Malum is the remake that is out now. You can watch it now. Um, although it's not available for streaming yet, might be for uh, streaming available now that you're listening to this episode. I don't know. But um, when I watched Malum, Prior to this and rewatching it again, it gave me appreciation for both, but it made me like this one that much more just to see how far that director has come. And I don't know, this is just this for me, this maybe was just such a pleasant surprise. And I just have so much fun watching it. And I think, I don't think the acting's like tremendous, but I wasn't going into this thinking that I was going to have like fucking 10 out of 10 performances out of this but for me it's good enough it, it the story's conveyed well enough um and even then it's not much of a story it's just like this person spending a night in this police station that's going to be like decommissioned soon and shit goes down i'm in like <laughs> i'm fucking in like you know, i don't need anything else more like i'm completely fine with that now malum does uh go off that story but even further and it really goes in further on like the father and what he potentially did that night um and they also switch up the place where he died as well he actually dies in the station um oh, instead of the farm um so like it's uh it's interesting. So Malum is a really, really cool uh, play on this story as well. And I really like what Anthony de Blasi did as well for the main actress for Malum. He told her not to watch Last Shift at all because he didn't want hmm. her to emulate anything from Last Shift because he wanted it to be um, the same story, but with advances to it. Yeah. Right. Like there's definitely it, it, for Malum, there's a more of a story, I would say, for Malum. That's gotcha. that's the main thing I could say. There's more of a story and there's more, more of a building. Right. And there's more yeah. of a reason for her to stay there instead of in last shift. Cause that's the main, that was my only gripe was just like, fuck that. Like I wouldn't stay there. Like <laughs> I'm out. Like fuck that shit. Uh, I don't care if you call me a fucking pussy or whatever. This her fucking chief calls her. Like, I don't care. I'm out of here, dude. Like there's crazy things going on. I don't want to be a part of it. But in Malum, it makes more sense because she's trying to honor her dad. So, yeah, and I don't know. Either way, I like this movie a lot. I love this movie. Will I watch it again? Absolutely. I think I would watch this again, though, with friends. 
Mm-hmm. I would want to see this again with friends more so than watching it by myself again. Because um, I watched it twice by myself, and this feels like a party movie for That's sure to me. What about you, Freddie? So, yeah, no, Last Shift, man. Um, I went in this movie completely blind. Oh, you've never heard of this movie? Uh, I've never heard. I think you're the only person that's told me about it because oh, of the remake and stuff like that. Oh, got it, got it. Got it. And um, the one thing I had going for me was the poster. Mm. And the poster itself has like a creepy sim- poster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really creepy poster. Yeah, really. Not, it made it look like it's a possession movie for some reason. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is like someone who's possessed, maybe a demon or something like that. Yeah. Um, and it has like that scary, a scary image of the symbol, which is like the the pentagram, the pentagram. Yeah. Uh, but it's like carved in someone's face. Yeah. And then yeah. that's the poster. I'm just like, oh god, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> and. Uh, it opens up and you see what's happening and the the story goes on. And the beautiful thing about this movie, I guess I'll start off with, I really enjoyed it. Okay. I, I don't think I fell in love with it. No, That's it's mostly fine. Just because of the ending kind of felt a little bit lackluster for myself. This has a better ending. That Malum? Malum. Malum has a better gotcha. ending for sure. Like it, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. It's like, I, I, it's like, it's cool to have the twist, but like make the twist better maybe i don't know yeah yeah the, the, tw- um, the twist there felt is like- a lot of surprises in this movie oh my that's god that's what yes. i really liked this um, movie is genuinely a scary movie like yes, this movie was yes, made yes, to yes. scare you like this movie was and it was, works and it works it definitely works like that and that's what i appreciate about this film is yeah. that it was genuinely made as a scary film like they just tried making works. the scariest film that they could make with the budget that they had and they did a pretty good job at that that's what I want to bring up too. It seems like it is very low budget. Oh yeah. And with that low budget, they were able to do so many things and was so creative of how they were to scare us. And of course it leans a little bit on the tropes that we've all seen before, but it does it in such a way where it just works really well. They execute it very well. Yeah. Uh I will say this, there is a lot of jump scares and a lot. A little um I don't know. It got a little bit boring because it was so many. Yeah. But when there was like the actual slow tension and actually let it like sit with you, especially when there was like the the person that's under the desk and crawls around and then she's <laughs> like in between scene. the, the shelving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great uh, scene. That's a great scene because it stays there with it. It's mm-hmm. not like, it's like it's the not thing about jump scares, like they'll get you, but at the same time, it gets. They get away they, afterwards. Like they get, the tension they, is gone. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you turn around, it disappears. Awesome. Okay. You got right. scared as the viewer, but like that creepy crawling scene is like, oh, it's continuing on, builds the tension. Right. And it just gets scarier and scarier and scarier. So those moments were my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is fair. I feel like yeah, a lot of people there, agree with that. There's some really great like surprises where, where she like shoots at the door and you're like, wait, what? Um, <laughs> yeah. No, this, this movie. It's effective in all it's trying to do, which is yeah, to scare us, which yeah, is fantastic. Which it, 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 I do like the the main actress. I think she did a really good job. I do too. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, I said, like the, I, I don't think the acting was like great, and but at the same time, it was, said, it was good. I, I feel like her as a rookie following her father's footsteps and wanting to like keep saying like the oath that the policemen always yeah. say and saying like I can be brave, I can stay here, is the reason why she stayed. Yeah. It's just like she kind of wants to honor her father as well in this movie. It sounds yeah. like, but um, but in but if you see Malum, yeah. you'll understand that like her reason makes way more sense gotcha. compared to 
uh, this person's reason, right. or I would say 2014 Jessica versus 2023 <laughs> Jessica. Like you'll you'll genuinely understand that like th- those two reasons are different, and and it's not right. even really a spoiler per se. I just don't want to say it just in case if other people want to watch it who haven't seen right. it yet. Um, but I still think that. Uh, the Malum's reason makes way more sense for her to stay. I'll gotcha. tell you offline. Okay. But um, with Jessica in 2014, um, her reason's fine. Like, and you're right. Like she does try to honor her dad. She gets the fake phone call and stuff like that from her dad and all this other stuff, which right. which I feel is very warranted for sure. Um, but I do like this actress, uh, Juliana Harkavi, I believe is how you pronounce her last name, but she she's good like yeah. I, I i was very pleasantly fine with her and i wasn't surprised i was just fine with her performance i thought it was totally fine like it was nothing wrong with it to me um i i think the pentagram thing is a little played which is why i think malum decided to expand on the pentagram in their next one right. which i liked um i i did enjoy that as well that they tried to expand on that a little bit more um in the sheet in this one is way fucking creepier, but still a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, I will say this: the budget in Malum definitely showcases more with the gore. Gotcha. Like Malum is fucking gory as shit, and some people might think that's a great thing. Some people might think that's not such a good thing, and maybe you just want it to be told to you and you imagine it. Right. Um, like for example, we have the imagination of uh the baseball bat victim probably. exactly and yep. it opens with that oh <laughs> it opens there with that go. so like you <laughs> you you get to start with that um and you you see it all and you you see the disfiguring of her face and everything you see everything so like it's it starts with that and you're just like fuck okay all right i'm in <laughs> like all right you, you got me in you, you, you hooked me so there you go but you ready to jump into this, man? Let's do it. Let's do it. Last Shift, directed by Anthony de Blasi, released October 25th of 2014 with a runtime of one hour and 27 minutes and no budget or box office found with a rating of 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, take that with a grain of salt. There were only 11 reviews for it at that oh, time. Wow. But um, even then, I still think the score is fine. Um, for there being 11 reviews, I can see why people would like this movie. Um, but I think if more people had hands on it, I think this would probably be around the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. We open to some woman hauntingly singing a song to the title card. Fade to Jessica, a rookie police officer, is sitting in her car receiving a phone call from her mother. She answers it, her mom asking her why she is doing this, upset thinking that she's been through enough. Jessica doesn't understand why she, why they have to go through this again moments from her starting her first shift. That being the reason why her mother wants her to do this right now. Jessica assures her that she's going to be fine, claiming that most cops go their entire career without seeing any action. Her mother <laughs> sucks for your first night. Her mother brings up her father, sarcastically commenting for her to tell tell uh, to tell that to him. And this is right in the moment you're already getting um, a probably a, a moment where you're just like, okay, her father probably died on TV. Right. Here's all the exposition. Exactly. The background of all the characters and stuff like that, where she's been mentally probably as well. Um, 
it's it's kind of weird because she's already in a police cruiser. Like, right. Is this your first shift? Like, yeah. they just gave it to you already? Just, like, yeah, pretty, like, like welcome, and you're welcome to the forest. Here's your car. <laughs> your mom didn't care about telling you this conversation before you went to the academy, doing all this stuff, and then you got there, you already got your uniform, or yeah. cruiser already. I'm like, I'll, well, I'll I mean, leave it. Fine, I'll take it. Yeah. It, That's it, like it, your it, first on-duty shift. Okay. Right. I'll, right, I'll right, let it pass. Right. I got you. It, it, we, we find out later that her father worked at that station. Right. So yeah. like that, that that gives us a little bit more context later, right? Um, which I'm glad they do switch that up a little bit for Malum. Yeah. Um, offended, Jessica, who I'm going to refer to as Jess, responds with "nice." She's all sarcastic <laughs> about it. She's like, "Nice, mom." Great. Yeah. Love hearing this from you. Her mother continuing um, for her not to do this. About to bring something else up, but Jess doesn't want to talk about this now because she doesn't want to be late. She tells her mother that she loves her before hanging up the phone. Jess enters inside the seemingly empty police station, calling out to anyone that may be inside. She hears someone banging on something from down the hall. Her chief, Cohen, comes into view, banging and slamming on a locker while cu- while cussing at it. She calls out to him. He looks, he looks her way, asking how long she's been there she answers that she just walked in about to introduce herself but he demands her to turn around as she approaches her as he approaches her she is about to exp- uh ex- or excuse me he like she starts walking away i didn't i didn't yeah. write this in and he tells her to stop um but she then ex- is about to explain her orders to report to him but he demands for her to turn around again she turns around and starts walking down the hall he shouts for her to stop yelling yelling that he said to turn her around I thought I didn't write this but I guess I did um, not walk away <laughs> she does as she's told calling out calling out to him as he slowly approaches her looking behind his back before continuing to move forward walking in front of her he introduces himself while shaking her hand Jess shares her name he questions it she explains that she was told to report there, thinking that it might might have been a mistake since the new station is ready. Cohen chuckles that is um, th- that it is, calling the station quote a fucking butte end quote, and that uh, she'll see it tomorrow. But tonight she's there. She doesn't understand what she's doing there. He asks the same for herself, answering her question for being the lucky rookie to work ver- the very last shift for this quote unquote mausoleum. Excuse me. He moves over to the desk, sharing that all the calls are routed to, to the new station, thinking it should be quiet, understanding that she she may have walk-ups, but she's to send them up the street. His number is available on the wall, but if there's any, an emergency, she's to call the station. He continues the tour, but her uh, attention is spent down the hall. He explains on that being holding and for her to never go inside there. Hmm. Interesting. There's a lot of weird stuff that happens with um, this character. Uh, First off, why do you think he made her turn around? From what I get from like now watching the movie, I feel like he's been seeing a lot of weird shit too. Yeah. He wanted to see if she was part of it and like, are you like injured or do you have any like definitely wounds or anything? Uh, he's like checking her out like, all right, I don't want you to like attack me or something like that. Right. I think Um, it's a little bit of both. Um, I think I think it's that, Which, and I think it's also the fact that uh, he probably genuinely did not want her to go to holding. Gotcha. That, that's probably where he's been seeing most of the stuff as well. Um, because, like, I think you're right. I think he has been seeing stuff. Uh, I mean, he calls he calls it a mausoleum, right? right? So I think he has been seeing stuff. So it's it's uh it's interesting to kind of get his initial perspective of like where everything is 
it's it's very interesting knowing what happens in the ending who does a certain action towards her um and that's where i'm kind of like confused i'm like well if you knew like it might lead to this why have her stay there to begin with i think they just needed someone to be there right and it's rather the rookie than him i guess yeah fair enough Yeah. yeah um because they still needed to wait for those people to come well, he knows who her dad is, which is why yeah. he like questioned her name. He's like Lauren, yeah, because I think that was her last name, Jessica Lauren. Um, he was like Lauren, and she's like, "Yes, sir." And he didn't just mention anything of it; like he yeah. just kind of brushed it off at that point. Because for me, I would have been like, "Nah, we're gonna call someone else." Yeah, I mean, but I'm a good boss. Uh, but like, <laughs> like if, uh, for me, that's how I would yeah. picture it. I'd be like, "I was like, nah, you don't need to be here." Like, I, I know your father, or I knew your father. You know, like he was a good man, whatever, you know, right. talk it up and shit. You'd be like, you know what? Let's get you at the new station. We'll bring someone else in. Yeah. But obviously we wouldn't have had a movie if that would have happened. Correct. So and the, I like that they do set the rules in the stage of like how the movie plays out too. It's like, hey, there are not going to be any incoming calls. Everything right. should be just forwarded to the new station. Uh, you shouldn't be getting any visitors as well. It's like if there's anyone that comes here, set them up. Up to the street, whatever, yeah. yeah, to the new station. So it's like, all right, you should have a quiet night, quote unquote. Um, and then it leads to like, obviously, not having a quiet night, <laughs> right? Yeah, just or maybe it was a quiet night until it wasn't True. for her. Yeah, um, just ask why there's uh, why she's there and not a security guard. He doesn't answer the question, just walking down the hall, yelling for her to follow him. They enter a room that has a bunch of hazardous material. Cohen claiming that, um, that, they, that every hardened criminal will do everything in their power to get to it tonight. Um, but she's the only one standing between them and annihilation of the city. She's in shock. Like, <laughs> but, but Cohen starts laughing, claiming that he's messing with her. She chuckles that she knows as he shares that uh, they are they can't hire security when they have a whole police force on payroll. That makes sense to her. Most of the items inside the evidence room is just quote unquote crap. The materials were supposed to be disposed yesterday, but they weren't. Sharing that that the cleanup crew uh, will be there between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. demanding her to stay put. Damn, what a fucking stretch of a time. Right. Holy shit. That's a whole shift. That sounds about right, though. Yeah. Repeating, repeating it to her, asking uh, for her understanding. She does. Cohen letting her know that he'll be there to relieve her after her shift. Asking if she has any questions before handing her the keys. Cut to Jess reading a book at the front desk, trying her best to not fall asleep. She begins dozing off, dropping the law enforcement manual on the floor. It wakes, it wakes her back up. She picks up the book, but notices that the light fixture is buzzing. No wonder you're bored. You don't even got a fucking iPhone. Uh, you got a flip phone no wonder you're bored i would have been netflix and everything in the the hallway she stares at it moving underneath it as it continues buzzing almost sounding as if someone is speaking through it the phone rings on on the desk she goes back to it answering it a woman on the other end is sobbing for help claiming that she's trapped i love how immediate it is yeah, it just starts. Yep. Like, and it works. It's very effective. Very effective. Even the, the flickering of the light, which is like a common trope in all scary movies, they still put a little bit of a twist of like you're hearing voices through the buzzing so of like cool. the light. And like, that's creative. That's yeah. smart. This is something new. Um, and it's shot really well. I, that's the thing I really like about this movie. With its filmmaking, 
it's well edited. Mm-hmm. Now, the editing in this movie is really well done and really well crafted to actually build the tension of the scene of like you see her reaction, her facial expressions, and then cuts back to the light and you see what's going on. Right. And the sound mixing too. The sound design in this movie is incredible. I agree. It's even better right now. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm excited to see that. I cannot wait for you to see that movie. Yeah, like, I, I you told me like, you should watch both. I'm like, all right. And I just started looking it up. I'm like, oh, it's in think, theaters. Yeah, it wasn't available. Damn. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know. That's okay. I didn't even, I, I'm going to watch it. Good for probably them for by the time this comes theaters. out, I'll probably have watched it. Yeah. Good for yeah. them for getting it in theaters, though. Absolutely. I didn't. I didn't know it was in theaters until yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, she questions if she, if she's injured while grabbing a notepad to take notes. The woman says in an eerie line that quote the scream sound won't stop now. End quote. <sighs> Jess tells her to calm to stay calm, asking her for the address. The woman sobs that she thinks they might be all dead. Becoming more concerned, Jess asks for the address again, willing to dispatch a unit to her location. The call disconnects. Jess calls the other station, sharing the call that she just had, believing that all the calls were rerouted. The officer claims that to be true, but she expresses that she, but she expresses that she just perceived one, so they aren't all routed there. He questions if the line is still active. She frustratedly tells him no. He questions. He continues his questions on if she was able to obtain any information from the victim, but she wasn't since the line was disconnected. He's silent for a moment until she calls out to him. He shares that he documented the call and he'll confirm on his end if the lines are rerouted, but he'll he'll let her know if there are any issues. She thanks him, but he hangs up before she can uh, before she could do that. She overhears the locker by holding. Uh, she. Excuse me. She overhears the locker by the holding cells slamming again, believing that it is Cohen. Just calls out to him, but she doesn't receive an answer. She heads down down the hall to check it out. The bangs are louder as she continues calling out to him, but still no answer. A door behind her slams. Quick question: Do you think the calls to the station for her were real, or were mm, they fake? They're all fake. You think everything's fake? Well, oh, okay. So you're saying is the movie fake, like the 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 events, right? Yeah, like uh, is no. every single event fake? Is every single I think event it all in really her head? happened? Which caused? I mean, I think the haunting is real. Okay, uh, which still made her see things that weren't real. Does that okay. make? Sure. Yeah. Like it drove her insane, essentially. Right. 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 It got her to do evil acts, which is what they want. Right. Yeah. I can. T- I can accept yeah. that. I can accept that. Because uh, I was. I was. That was my main consensus when I was thinking about what for this film was like: Is everything really happening right now? Like, is she calling the station, it, or is that phone? Does that phone even work? Like, the, like general, these were yeah. these were all things that were in my head. <laughs> the whole entire place is actually run down already. It's been exactly closed like for, she's like it's been she's, closed for years. No, she shouldn't be there at all. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, goodness, she goes to check it out, turning on the light uh, uh, to one of the lunch rooms. Cuts a few moments later, just eating inside the room while eating her sandwich. She feels something in her mouth. She fishes it out, revealing a long hair strand, mm. which causes her to spit it out and drink her water. That being enough for her to not finish the rest of the sandwich. Sandwich. Why not? Well, yeah, protein. Uh, her <laughs> attention is grabbed from someone bringing all the banging on the front door to the station. And like you said, the sound design here incredible. I watched this one with headphones, mm. and uh, wow, like that was riveting. Um, and one thing I've been doing lately because I, I got AirPod Maxes, 
And one thing I've been doing lately, have, I've when I've watched these, I've been turning on the noise cancellation, mm, so I can just have the full immersion. Yeah, 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 and I I crank it, man. It's up all the way, and it this fucking got me. Like this was crazy. Jess goes to check it out, um, lo- unlocking the door when she notices that nobody is outside. She's she is about to head back inside the station, but stops when she notices a man standing inside with his back turned. Mm. This shit right here, man. The fucking... That's the thing I like about this movie, because like you said, yeah, this movie's quite tropey in in spots, but at the same time, it's done so well. That's the thing, like... That it feels original. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the thing. They put a twist to it. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, they play on the tropes a lot, but they put their own spin and creative touch on all of the tropes. Which right. I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. It's just they, they do it too much in a short run time sometimes. Oh, no, 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 I agree. I'm like, all right, just let it breathe a little bit. You know, let it, let it simmer, you know? I definitely agree, and I think that's also another problem with Malum. It, it's consistent like this as well in there. Yeah. Um, but It's they, cool, like, all right, you're making the time run by fast, and yeah. uh, the scares to, are scary. You, you, so, like, you're, right. I mean, it's not You're trying bad, to get but, as many scares as you can in this hour and 20-minute run right. time that you got going on here. Yeah. She unclips her holster to her gun before entering inside, telling the man that, that the station is closed and that he has to leave. I do like the fact that she was not afraid to pull out that heater. <laughs> like, she was not afraid She's to not do that. Around. She was like, man. I was like, yep, just like a cop. He yeah. doesn't answer her. She pulls <laughs> out the same t- part. That's terrible. Sorry if you're a police officer listening to this podcast. Yeah, I'm it's like, oh, love, typical. Man. Take it's out the, the baton immediately. <laughs> he doesn't answer her. She pulls out her taser, about to threaten Jesus. him to leave out of the station, but stops when she notices when he starts to urinate on the floor. Um, you, Fuck, dude, I want to talk about Malum so goddamn bad. Um, this isn't, this is, is a spoiler, but not in the same context. This does happen in the, uh, in Malum as well. However, it's outside the police station. I'm sorry for hitting the mic, but it's outside the police station. Okay. Um, so like it, it's still gross, but like not to the point where she has to clean it up or whatever. Um, but Mm. irritated, cussing, cussing under her breath, she pulls out the, pulls out a baton, (laughs) extending it as she, as she approaches him. She calls out to him again. The man has uh, sores all over him and, and throw up caked onto his beard, just letting him know that he's inside of a police station, but the man still isn't speaking or looking at her. She taps him on, uh, she taps him with the baton. He yells for her to shut up, startling her. But she isn't, she isn't taken to the threat, pushing him out of the station with her baton, locking the door behind him when he exits. Do you think he's real? Mm. Or do you think he's a part of the haunt? It's hard to tell, right? Because it's hard like, to tell. Because like he, he feels real or like he seems real because he seems kind of innocent. Right. Right. Like he, like so he, why would he want to go back in? Right. Yeah. Like he, he goes, he goes in there later, but we have contacts because the back door is open. Right. Right. But in this one, it's just like, well, how the fuck did he get in if after he banged on the door? I have a bigger question, but we'll talk about it when the scene comes up. Okay. Cause I was like, how? 
this is, out of all the things that's like unbelievable in this movie, there was one thing I was like, I don't believe that. Fuck this movie, it's fake. <laughs> it's so dumb. You'll you'll see when I talk okay, about it. Okay, yeah, I'm excited yeah. to see it. <laughs> it's so dumb. Cutter bringing it, bringing in the mop and bucket in the janitorial room. After washing her hands, the pipes loudly creak inside the room, causing her to follow the noise. She notices a pair of boots that are on the shelf. She decides to take them outside from uh, for the homeless man, leaving them on the steps. Back at her desk temporarily, as she as she's interested in the holding area, just um, heads down the hall, opening a bathroom door. Overwhelmed by the smell as she enters, but she just needs to take a look. Why why do you enter the holding area through a bathroom? There's a lot of stuff in this movie where I'm just like, oh, so this is just like a maze, essentially. Yeah, like this... Different places just lead to different areas, and there's like corridors on corridors right. on corridors. This blueprint like, does not make sense. How big is this place? That's what I'm saying. Like, this blueprint like, does not does not make sense of this police station here. Yeah. But, like, on top of that, why is the bathroom that dirty? Damn! Or was it? Or dirty. was it? That's true, yeah. It was probably pristine. You never know. It was probably the cleanest bathroom she's ever you seen. probably eat cake off that floor. The bathroom <laughs> covered in feces as she continues to another door, coughing as she covers her nose with her sleeve. She goes inside a yellow locker room, running her hands over all of the lockers, stopping when she makes it to number 25, looking up at the number, slowly opening it. She peeks inside, finding a photo of her and her dad when she uh, was a kid stuck to the back. She pulls it out, smiling from the photo, turning it over to say, Daddy plus Cuddlebug at the park. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, even at this part here, though, you still don't know that this is her father. Right. Like, you you could just kind of, uh, you're uh, not even assuming, really, I would think. I would just think she's like, oh, that's sweet. Yeah, so when I, because I went in completely blind, not right. that that matters for this scene, but like, uh, I was like, oh, she found someone else's photo, photo with, right. her, with uh, her daughter. And like, yeah. Oh, she wants to like take it with her so she can like bring it to the new place and be like, hey, is this anybody's? She like, puts it back though, doesn't she? She puts it back. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But she tries to put it in her pocket. I'm like, oh, that's sweet of her. It's like, it's like, oh, someone will probably want this. Right. And then she puts it back. I'm like, oh, well, you're a bitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> damn. <laughs> Just kidding. But like, I was like, oh, it's very interesting why she leaves it because yeah. why? Sure. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe to have it at the last place that her dad served. Okay, maybe. You know, but like, have why his... have it like snuck up back in there too? Like she tucks it back in and closes yeah. it. I don't know. Maybe to leave it how her dad left it. Maybe. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. She's about to pocket the photo before placing it back inside the locker. About to leave out of the room, stopping from uh. Excuse me. Stopping when the other locker that was once closed is now open. She scans the room. All the lockers are now open around her, confusing and making her uneasy. I like this it. was such a great scare. Yes, it was. Such a great scare. The phone rings at her desk, causing her to head back to her post. She answers the phone to the same woman sobbing and pleading that she needs to... Uh, she needs to get out. Jess remembers her, asking her for her name. The woman shares her name as Monica. Jess asks where she is, Monica crying that she was brought to a ranch. Jess writes that down, wondering if she has an address. Monica whispers that they are coming. Ba- Jess quickly asking if there is anything else that's identifiable. Monica yells that she doesn't know, answering that she hears a- she hears pigs. Hmm. Hmm. Pigs are used quite often in Malum. I'll just let you know that right now. I really want to talk about Malum. As you guys can fucking <laughs> like guess, like it's really hard not to talk about Malum right now because as I'm going over this in my like with my notes, I'm seeing how like Both masterfully crafted Malum is 
to play off of Last Shift that it almost doesn't even feel like a remake. It feels like a sequel. Like, that's how fucking awesome Elm is. But yeah, anyway. It's a variant. It's, a, it's an alternate exactly. universe. Yeah. Where yeah, the it, same events happen in different ways. Maybe. There you go. Yeah, maybe. Just writes that down, wondering if there's anything else. Monica comments that she has to go. The phone hanging up. Just as frustrated as she places the phone back on the receiver, it immediately ringing again. She answers it thinking that it's still Monica, but it's actually Joe from BioClean Waste Removal. She introduces herself. Okay. He shares an update that they are running behind, dealing with a mess somewhere else. She looks up at the clock, questioning if they'll be if they'll be there closer to four. Joe expresses that it might be sooner, willing to give her a call if it, things change. She thanks him before immediately hanging up hanging up to call the other station again. She identifies herself, sharing that she keeps getting 911 calls. He repeats that all of the calls have been rerouted. She understands, reminding him that um, that she called earlier. He questions if she receives if she's receiving a high volume of calls. She admits that she isn't, sharing the name of the victim, knowing that she's in, that she uh, she's in danger, but she uh, couldn't get much much more information. He wonders if she got a last name, but just didn't. Sharing that she's on the ranch on the farm, there being pigs where uh, where she is. And this is great because it's like you can tell she's a rookie. Yeah, like all in all she these knows moments that she was like trying to help out, but she's not asking the right questions. Exactly. It's like Shit, I should have asked for the last name. Yeah, like she she's like going back it's like in her trial mind. and error every time the phone rings. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. Like it's it's literally like in some ways it almost feels like, which is why I I love that moment where she's just like, okay, you, this is a fucking joke. Like you guys are fucking with me, whatever. Right. You know, like because that's what it almost feels like. It right. almost feels like this is like something they set up to yeah. test her, you know, first day prank for the rookie, whatever. But yeah, he knows that she isn't dialing 911, that she must be dialing the station directly. She asks if she could trace trace a call from there. He answers that, she's, that he's not able to trace a call f- from that line, but he's willing to look into the pigs. She asks uh, what... She asks what what to do if she calls again. He tells her to, he tells her to have Monica call nine one one next time. Just irritated by that answer, she thanks him and hangs up the phone. I mean, but like I kind of get it. Like call nine one one so we can get at the station and handle it. Right. But yeah, she stares at the phone for a moment before grabbing the handbook. She begins to read it before being startled by the wheeled shelf that moves on its own. Mm. That was also very startling. Yeah. I got, I got, I, I jumped, I jumped. Uh, she looks back at it, but decides to ignore it and go back to the handbook. It moves again, stopping when she looks back at it again. She gets up, cranking and inspecting the shelf. Not finding anything useful, she goes back to sit down. The shelf smashes into the other shelves. She's startled by the booming noise, going back to inspect the crank, but is distracted by another sound from down the hall. Just enters the hall, the clattering continuing down the hall. She, she heads down there, her firearm at the ready. The back door is propped open by a fallen over file cabinet she kicks the the drawer away from the door allowing it to close shut another loud noise toward the holding cells she calls it onto her radio for the code nine her radio has static as she moves closer repeating the possible code nine the singing from earlier in the film plays over her radio as it statics also great touch Mm-hmm. The lights shut off a company with a loud chatter from inside a dark room, alarming before the room fills with a red glow. Jess takes out her flashlight, aiming it alongside her gun as she whispers her code of conduct for law enforcement. 
She enters inside inside another room, searching around, making it into a filing room. The homeless man from earlier throws down a box of reports. She demands for him to show his show her his hands. <laughs> he ignores her as he searches inside one of the boxes for something. She puts uh, she puts her gun away, turning on the lights inside the room, climbing on top the on top of there with him, extending her baton, causing him to turn around and look at her. She tells she tells him that uh, he can't be in there. Reminding him that this is a police station. He comes toward her. Uh, she grabs his wrist um, and hits him in the side, Jeez. taking him down to handcuff him. Like, damn. <laughs> damn, Jess. Ooh, man, beat everybody's ass. Uh, <laughs> um, I wanted to point something out as well. Um, oh, you agreed this is the scene that's unbelievable? You're yeah. right. Yeah. How I did would, he get down? I don't know. Handcuffed. I was thinking that's the about one that thing that stayed with me in this entire movie. I'm like, she had to climb all the way up there, yeah. put handcuffs on him. I assume she that's just kicked him body. down. Yeah, that's, that's the only that's I can the think only of. Way. <laughs> yeah. But I was just like, hmm. Yeah. I was I was definitely thinking about that as well, where I was I like. I don't know why that was the one part of the movie where I'm just like, no, this movie's just not you know, realistic. That's unbelievable. Yeah, the realism is out the window with this one because he's handcuffed and couldn't get down. Unless I, he floated down, I don't know. I thought about it too, man. You're not the only one. That, it, that definitely popped in my head. I was like, how the fuck did he get down? <laughs> she just kick him? Like, yeah. It's the only thing I can think of. She looked Pushed like the type. Off. Yeah, I saw. She on a baton saw usage. Her, yeah, the little, she looked like the type. The hand on the side. She, mm. she, she, she'll fuck a motherfucker up. Um, <laughs> but there was another thing that um, I wanted to also chat about too is um, the, uh, what was it? Damn, I, I think I lost it. It was at the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember. Did it have to do with like, um, the, 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 the singing? The singing. The singing. Um, but with the singing, um, the main thing that I like about that singing is that it reminds me of um, the autopsy of Jane Doe. Mm. Wow, I was just talking to my friend about that movie today. This would be a really good flick to coincide with, with yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, That would be a really good flick to have really for, for each other. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The man whimpers in pain as she takes him to holding, slamming him up against the wall. He resists going inside the holding cell, dropping down to his knees as he pleads for her. She demands for him to get back up. She, You know what? It's funny as fuck. What if she actually handcuffed him and then was like, wait, we need to get down. And she unhandcuffed him because she's a rookie. And she's like, all right, hold on. Let me unhandcuff you. But we're getting Cuff down right now. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to handcuff you again. <laughs> she demands for him to get back up. He, d- he doesn't, causing her to drag him inside the room. Yes. The, do- the door slams as Jess tries to catch her breath. The lights turning off as a woman's scream rings throughout the, s- the building. Confused at what's going on, the man charges t- forward toward her. She tases him, knocking him unconscious. <laughs> she looks out of the little window, banging on the door for someone to let her out, adding that, that they, quote, are in- interfering with the duties of an officer, end quote. Nobody is out there. She claims to only give them a warning if they'll if they let her out. She tries for the door handle again. The door still locked. When she looks back up at the window, someone with a sack over their head and a bloody pentagram painted on the on on it with hole cutouts for their eyes and mouth stares at her, causing her to drop her flashlight on the ground, turning it off from the impact. What? Did you think of that? Uh, it scared me. 
Yeah. It got me. It got me. Like, this was one of the effective jump scares of, like, all right, cool. The lights. Well, this whole scene itself is very fucking perfect. Um, It's a perfect scene. Yeah. So much tension. It felt like a video. It closes. I was like, oh, fuck. And then then the lights lights went off, and then you hear screaming throughout the entire place. It was like like, a haunted house. And you're locked in with some, like, random dude that starts charging at you. And then you get this cool, like, uh, lighting effect when the the taser. So you actually see the room a little bit. Yeah. And you see their faces for a little bit. And then she's that like, was awesome that like yeah. you see them like with the sacks that are like standing behind yeah, him so and shit. It's it's a very smart movie on how they do things. Yeah, and uh, that's like we've all seen like door closes behind you and you're trapped in the room, but like they up it every single time. Right. It's like 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 I said, they they um, play on the tropes a lot, but they mix it in with like something completely different, which makes it creative and stand out and actually become more effective in that way. I agree. She drops down searching for the light, but she's not able to find it. The man is unconscious again, or the man is still unconscious. She demands him to get get back on the ground. Or excuse me, the man is conscious again, not unconscious. She demands him to get back on the ground. She assumes that he picks up her flashlight as it turns back on, pointed at her. She demands for him to give her back the flashlight, reminding him that, sh- that she's armed. The light slowly trails on the ground, showing that the man is actually still unconscious in the corner. Inaudible whispering flows all around the room, just asking who's in there with her. Another woman's voice mockingly pleads for her to be let go. She demands for them to answer her as the woman whispers that she feels as if she is losing her mind. The lights cut cut back off. Um... She runs at the door, banging on it again to be let out. The woman whispering for her to not be scared, questioning if she wants to get out of there alive. Just looks back, asking who she is. The woman responding that she is going to hurt her as the sound of a blade moves across the floor. That was great how she said that. She's like, I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Get out of there, Jess. Uh, I'm telling you man guns would have been blazing at this moment (laughs) she demands for her flashlight back the uh, lights cuts off again quickly turning back on to to show two women standing behind her with bloody tapestry over their heads as they bleed from their mouths this the fucking imagery in this movie is amazing absolutely amazing I just like I can't. So yeah, do you got the scene aesthetic. on right now? I gotta yeah. see it again because, like, goddamn, man, that like seconds, but it yeah. is mind-boggling to me how well they used darkness, how well they used lighting, and it's just oh fucking hell! I loved every moment of it. Love every every moment of it. Um, the lights come back on. Jess immediately picks up her flashlight and exits the room, closing the door behind her, pulling her gun out as she repeats her code of conduct to calm herself down. I like how this was her regrounding. Yeah, yeah. it's like I'm brave. I'm a good officer. I'm gonna right. do the oath. I'm gonna do what's necessary. I'm gonna be like my dad. Exactly. Yeah. When she feels composed enough, she takes one last look inside the room before walking back to her desk. Cut to Jess sitting at her desk, trying to regain her sanity, picking up the phone. She quickly hangs up before saying, screw it, and picking it back up to call Cohen. It goes straight to his voicemail. She leaves a message for him, trying to make out the words on what she's what she wants to say to him, stumbling over her words as, as to why she's calling him, landing on that thanking him, 
and that she's happy to be on the force. Hanging up from the phone, feeling the pressure of being scared out of her fucking mind, she leans back in her chair, opening her eyes to, to face the ceiling, spotting a message written on the panel. She turns around in her chair, reading the word, so, as a pig squeals in the background. Mm. 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 I don't know what this one meant, though. The so. so? Like uh, I, so let me see. Like I know, I know what it. Oh, I know like what religion. so is. No, I don't think it's religion. It's a pig. That's the name of female pigs. So, I think is it? Am I wrong? I mean, <laughs> Comments, so, correct me. Uh, hold on. In, in so it's it's like we here. I'm just gonna type oh. in so pig. What does so mean with pigs? So is a mother pig. There you go. Adult female pigs that have followed one or more litters. There you go. Cool. So. What is so in the Bible? To gather a crop. Hmm. Never mind. Let's go with the pig because we hear the squealing of the pig in the background. (laughs) So that makes sense. Montage to Jess locking all the doors to the facility, stopping at the back door. She spots someone standing outside smoking a cigarette. Hmm. She opens it, asking the woman if uh, if she can help her with something. The woman, Marigold, claims that she's fine as she goes back to smoking her cigarette. Jess shares that she can't that she can't smoke back there because this is a police station. Marigold tells her that it isn't as she shares the location of the news station, telling Jess her name. Jess doesn't want to call her call her that as Marigold swears that her mom um, gave her that name. <laughs> Um, that's funny Um, uh, Jess asks for her to remove herself from the premises Marigold watches a car pass by agreeing but wondering if she could finish her cigarette first Jess allows her to telling her not to leave the butt on the steps she's about to head back inside the station Marigold calls her back Jess holds the door for her attention Marigold knowing that she's new she agrees Marigold knowing that she quote could pick a rookie out out of a room full of pigs end quote claiming that she still has that look on her face as she as if she gives gives a damn. You know what's funny? Like, obviously the whole pig situation is because of the cops. Uh, I never correlate the two. Like, I never correlate the two. Like, like oh, pig, cop. Yeah. Uh, like, I just... So, like, for me, in these moments when it's talking about pigs and shit all the, yeah, all the time, thinking I'm thinking about literal pigs. Yeah. Like, I'm not thinking about the whole uh, slur for cops. Right, like I'm not I, like that doesn't that's not popping into my head at all. <laughs> like that's why I think I, I, I was having like those kind of slow moments where I was like, "Oh, so uh, means whole, pig, duh." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Jess is a, Jess has had enough. Telling her that telling her to have a good night and is about to head back inside when Marigold blurts out to, uh, that she saw uh, that she saw. I wrote that wrong. Um, blurts out that she was there that night. She entertains the conversation further, Marigold continuing that she heard a scream from the cell next door. Jess smiles as, as she plays along, not knowing what she's even referring to. Marigold continues that they brought in three people from the wannabe Manson family called the Paymans. Which, mm. Payman, yep, you demon. know, the demon. Demon uh, family. 
Yep. <laughs> who kidnapped and slaughtered multiple girls. Jess agrees, adding that the officers, ki- the officers killed the payments at the scene of the crime, admitting that her father was one of them. Marigold chuckles that they wanted her to believe that, but they brought them into the station alive, knowing that they were, they were bragging about all, the, all what they've done. She knows that Jess doesn't believe her, but she swears that it's the truth. Them keeping her up all night, singing an eerie song. She begins humming the song. Jess knowing the tune as Marigold claims that it just stopped and they hung themselves inside their what in uh with their bed sheets getting a glimpse of it into their cell the bodies being gone she begins to hold back tears as she continues the, that pure evil covered the walls another drag from the cigarette as tears fall from her face she looks over at jess asking if she's okay offering her a drag just as good as Marigold has completed her cigarette and is on her way i actually really enjoyed the Marigold stuff yeah, I, I I think it was great to build that world a little bit more, right, right. and to let um, Jess know that like, nope, they actually did not die at the scene of the crime. This fucking place is haunted. We get a lot of exposition here. Yeah, and the, this is the part where like it's cool because it slows down the film a little bit because everything's going so fast. Right. So this breaks the tension, so we can rebuild that tension when we come back into the the station with her. I agree. Um, do you think? Because now I'm just thinking right now, do you think she is one of the victims? I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if she's one of the victims or if she's one of them. Um, mm. But, uh, well, I guess we see the whole family later. Do we? Uh, we see all of the, the two girls and the, the main dude. Yeah. That's not all of them, though. There's there, a lot more. Yeah, there was a, there was like, that was just a few of them. Because remember, we get one. There's only three of them. Uh, that have died, I guess. Oh, okay. um, but you get that one that was in the interrogation room with her who kills herself. That was a different one. But was that real too? See, no, that's I don't think that, it was like, real. I don't think it was so real, but I think, I think that, like, that shows that, right, the, right, that there was a multiple a Exactly. Or made it feel like they had a following because they showed their followers later, which weren't followers. But Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, this movie just messes your mind a little bit. It does. It definitely yeah. does. Jess walks down the hall hearing a TV static from one of the rooms. She enters it. The lights are off and the only, th- the only thing on is the TV. It's shifting to an interrogation of John Payman claiming that he's not ashamed of what he did. Doing what he does because it is right. Excuse me. Another interrogation video on one of of one of the other members, Dorothea Payman, asking if if someone has ever hit a girl with a baseball bat. This shit gets fucking intense. Claiming that she didn't even look like people anymore. Describing that that her face was swollen and teeth knocked up inside her forehead. I even buddy her this wild that they actually show this in Malum. Yeah. Of what she means. Claiming that it got her excited. Another video comes on with Kitty Payman, asking if they are suggesting if they are devil worshippers. Dorothea laughs as Kitty continues that the devil is just another bitch of the Lord, a rebel angel being cast out. Fade into John as Kitty claims that the devil is down there doing the Lord's work, just like the rest of them. I was like, damn, that line's actually deep. Yeah. All three of them say at the same time, quote, punishing the damned for their sins, end quote, sounding, sounding like the Lord's work to him. He answers that they don't, they, that they don't pray to the devil, questioning who do they think they, they are, or who do they think was there before him? He whistles at the <laughs> interrogator. 
Fate to Dorothea, continuing that he took a, uh, a break searching the world for pretty faces like her. Now to Kitty commenting about how messy dead people are. All the dead, spl- all the blood splashing around in their flesh and all, and all you need to do is poke a couple of hose, um, holes, excuse me, and it pours out. I was like, damn, that line's also yeah, deep. That's dark and deep, yeah. John hums as his family's tune as, um, or excuse me, John hums his family's tune as she excitedly continues that she stabbed a girl that sounded like a pig. She mimics a pig squeal while laughing, smacking her face down on the table, bloodying her face. Dorothea confesses through the snorts and laughter from her sister. Quote, she fell to her knees and bowed to the king. That's what payment means, you know. It was destined, the king of hell. End quote. Kitty explains that there was a family at the ranch and payment means soldiers. That being the reason why they're headed home. Guns blazing so they can take their rightful place on the throne. Back with John, claiming that he's a blazing flame like a lightning strike, destroying their homes. And the ones alive in the interrogator's heart, the one who pray, who who he prays for, John will, quote, rape your humanity until forgiveness is what you seek from me, end quote. Back on screen, he looks into the camera with a smile, commenting, quote, I like you. I will come back for you and all you love. Mark my words. End quote. The TV loops as Jess watches from inside the room. Office chairs, excuse me, office chairs roll into the room. She moves out of the way, avoiding them, not noticing the figures that appear in the, in the chair from behind her. This was so fucking cool. Yeah, Yeah. Eventually one hits her, the TV cutting back to static while she's on the floor. Damn, man. This scene, um, talking about like the editing and stuff like that too, the whole interrogation scenes of them being faded in and out and edited together and you see all of these characters and it just shows how madness everything is, how mad everything is, how crazy they are and how crazy the editing is and how they all mesh together and they all believe in the same thing. You're being thrown in a loop and starts starting to spin and then actual objects in the room start spinning. And you're just like Fucking nuts. Yeah, you're literally in for a ride of the whirlwind of what's happening, of what they're talking about, what they believe in. And then this part where I'm like, all right, maybe this is not an exorcism movie. It is a cult movie now. Uh, where I was like just switching like, okay, because I was still trying to figure out like, what is this like, movie? What am I is watching? It, is it a paranormal movie? Right, is it like yeah. a haunting? Is it a, a possession movie? It was, it, it was really hard for me to place it as uh, well as things like, went on. Is there a demon then? Like, are they like, this is the demon that's like messing with everyone? Yeah. Um, and we don't really know. If, I don't know if they kind of explained it more in um, Alan, but we don't really get a resolution of what's causing the events itself. We know, okay, there's an evil family that killed a lot of innocent people. That's fucked up. Uh, them hanging themselves gave well, them was powers a, to do this kind of stuff. No, it was part, of, the, really it was part of their it. ritual. So, like, it was. It's kind of like cursing a land. Right. So, like in the Conjuring, for example, doing the Pentagon stuff on their face and masks. Yeah, well, like with the pentagram and all that stuff. That was them performing their ritual so they can like curse that land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Curse that space. Yeah. Yeah. So it it was kind of the same thing. Like I'm coming back for you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And that that was uh, that's how I took it or interpreted it as. Yeah. Um, I can see that. Malum's pretty loose as well. It doesn't really explain too much. Um, But like, what's the end goal? I don't get it. (laughs) 
Uh-oh. Just take victims. I sure, think that's maybe. why they like had to build a new station, though. You know, well, like I'm sure I, they're uh, like, yeah, we're, we're good. <laughs> although it's only been a year, right? That's another thing that they don't really hearken on is that right. it's only been a year since this has happened. So, only a year has passed. Like, you know, so they they don't really they don't really mention that too much. It's right. just like it's, it's a very brief thing when they say that it's only been a year that's passed. Yeah. So like, not not that much going on here. No, not at all. So. As she is getting back up, the chairs are all around her. The room lights cut off back back on as the phone on, on the desk rings. She quickly approaches it, answering the phone. It's Monica again, sobbing and um sobbing that they're all dead and that they killed them. Jess uh, asks about who she is talking about. Monica expresses that is the other girls. Jess instructs her to contact 911 and that she can't do anything for her over there. Monica ignores her request, yelling that they won't stop singing. Jess is frozen in shock as Monica starts singing the song. She calls out to, to Jess since she's quiet. Jess lets her know that she's still there, asking for her last name. Monica sobs that it is young. Jess asks for her age. She's 17. Jess lets her know that she doesn't have the ability to track her call, needing her to hang up and call 911. Monica tells her to wait, yelling that they are coming. Jess frantically tells her to go somewhere and hide to call 911. Monica sobs that she can't because redial um, beca- because redial is the only thing that is working on this phone. Jess quickly tells her to get to safety and run as soon as, po- as she can. She asks if anyone has mentioned John, wondering if Monica has heard that name before. She doesn't know, thinking that she might have, pleading for Jess to help. Jess promises to help her, wanting her to stay on, on the phone for, with her. The the line is cut after Monica lets out a blood-curdling scream. In shock, she hangs up the phone, pacing around a bit before calling the other station. She shares the last name for Monica, the dispatcher, wondering if there's anything else. She mentions that she's not able to call 911 um, from from her phone, and she mentioned that uh, that there was a there were other girls that that are there, but she thinks they are dead. Explaining that her captors are singing a song, the dispatcher is confused but asks if there's anything else. Just stumbles that she believes the remaining that it's the remaining members of the payments they might have her he laughs asking her if she's serious she angrily comments that she recognized the song he tells her to slow down as he explains that the remaining members are under constant surveillance asking her if she has a pen wanting her to to write down john victor ida one five two six three wanting her to reference this number when when uh, if she obtains any more information. She acknowledges and thanks him hanging up the phone. Her attention is grabbed by someone whistling down the hall. She goes She goes to check out on the whistling, where the whistling is coming from. It's stopping when she enters the hall. She goes inside one of the rooms, turning on the light, but nothing is inside. Leaving out... Uh, Leaving, leaving out and turning off the light before her opens another with the scattered chair. The scattered chairs turning on that light. She hears something looking at the at that direction. When she goes to turn off the light from the room, the chairs are now stacked on top of each other. She's in shock, thinking that this must be a joke at this point. Calling out that the joke is on her, commenting about it being really funny, pushing over the stack of chairs, yelling for for them, yelling. Uh, ye- yelling for them to come out, calling them shitheads and cowards, commenting that they uh, they got her pretty good. Why was the chairs being stacked up the, the turning point of like, this is a joke, I knew it. What? There's no one in that room and it's like stacked after seconds and you're like, this is a joke, I knew it. 
after everything that's happened, you're just like, that's the turning point. I knew this was a joke. Yep. You, no ghosts stack chairs, <laughs> so it has to be a joke. This ain't but real. This was cool. I, I love seeing the like the turn away. Like I said, it's really smart in how they um, position the camera and reveal things. Like I said, yeah. the editing's really good too, but the camera movement is really great as well. Absolutely. Where they pan away, you look back, and there's something there. Yeah. And um, I like the Sixth Sense homage that we're going to get soon, though. That's that's my favorite. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my yep, fucking yep. favorite. It's about to happen soon, but, but like, I agree with you. Like, it, it's great. Like, it's great how they utilize surprise, right? Yeah, and it's um a valid like um what was it gratifying surprise? Where it's like this is cool. That was nice. This was a surprise. I'm surprised, and I was delighted and scared. But <laughs> but I do find it funny where like this was the point where she's like, ha. <laughs> Ha ha ha, guys! Very funny. You got you me. Sack the chairs. You got me. And I'm gonna be um, rude and knock them down and make a mess. It's no way a human being can stack all these chairs. I mean, a ghost. <laughs> 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 the front door buzzes. Another officer, Ryan Price, is uh, is there waiting for her. She chuckles, answering um, answering it, asking him, "So." <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't understand what she means. She wonders if if it is just him or are there others. He claims that it is just him. She mentions about his actions being real fucking mature. He stops he stops the door from closing, still not understanding what she's talking about. She argues if he puts all rookies through this, he explains that he came over there to check on her sharing his name. More sincerely this time, she questions if he if he is fucking with her. He admits to not be messing with her, swearing on his life, asking if he can come inside. She irritated allows him inside the building okay i don't i, I i'm sorry y'all i'm gonna shut the fuck up about my right now but i gotta <laughs> i gotta say one more thing okay there's a scene where they have this again yeah. kind of kind of not this not exactly the same way it's two cops oh and they like fight to like something happens in holding and they, they're like they're like no fuck you you go into holding and then they do rock paper scissors and one of them has to go into holding but it gets fucking twisted with these two cops like fucking twisted it is it is oh man dude i'm getting like chills I'm like, i didn't like this scene a lot me That's too interesting uh interesting. they're they're more malicious i would say in Mal- malum yeah. Yeah, yeah it sounds like but it, it is they just get, like oh we have a budget now we can do whatever the fuck we want fuck yeah they really <laughs> pushed the push that budget for sure so i i am all right, I'll show the fuck up. All right, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> they, they walk back to the desk, Ryan asking if this is Jess's first night. She irritatedly confirms, wondering how he knows. He jokes that her her blinding her blinding gleam of her <laughs> uniform is a giveaway. She mocks laughter, wanting to get back to sitting around and reading her handbook. She tells him uh, she tells him his job is done since he just came there to check on her. He sarcastically admits that she seems busy. She dons a <laughs> smile at him. He jokes around with her about her frowning her smile she warms up a bit from this asking him if uh asking him what his story is if he got the short end of the straws or just got unlucky he doesn't understand she questions if someone made him come there to check on her he smiles that he's feeling uh, he's feeling pretty lucky um she admits that she doesn't mind the company at this point he questions 
or excuse me, he asks if she has had a rough night. She gets up to grab some coffee as he wants details. She explains that she has a homeless or that she has a homeless man in holding that pissed all over her lobby. Ryan laughs, just not entirely amused, commenting that it wasn't funny, but gross. He shares his story of a prep uh, excuse me. He shares his st- story of a perp um, shitting in the backseat of a squad car. She tilts her mug that he wins before taking a sip. He asks her if she's okay. Without seeming co- seeming to be convincing, she lies that she's f- she's fine. He shares his real reason of being there, claiming that he snuck away to come see her, sharing that he knew her father. Mm. She questions if he was with him that that night. He was. About to explain what John did, but apologizing for his insensitivity. But Jess wants to know since they never disclosed the details. He continues that the, that they arrived early on the scene and they were ordered to wait to, for backup. But they could hear the girls begging for their lives inside. So they went inside as they opened fire. Ryan being able to pull out four girls while her dad held them off. Continuing that they killed six more girls and two officers, including her father commenting that he was a good cop and uh, and he'll be proud of her he tells her that he has to go she tells him she uh, lets him know that he doesn't not meaning what she said apologizing for being rude he shares that he would love to but he has to go allowing her to give him a, a call and and he excuse me allowing her to give him a call and he'll come right right over there to check on her asking if she remembers his name she says it back to him with a smile he confirms saying his goodbyes and walking off revealing a large fucking bullet hole in his head with bits of flesh still stuck on the back of his shirt she watches him as he walks out of the room ryan's footsteps stopping before entering the lobby just runs out to the lobby where Ryan is no longer there. She calls for him. No answer. Fuck, dude. Great reveal. Uh, this scene, oh, like I said, I really God. like it because it's very smart. It's very creative. It's very witty. Um, this blew my mind. Like that bullet blew his, but like, damn. <laughs> Sorry, that was dark. <laughs> but yo, I was shocked. I was genuinely shocked when this scene happened. I was like, when he turned around, I was like, oh, whoa, because it's so tame it's so like subtle um the movie just really like slows down with these two characters and this that's why I like i like to say like when it slows down it's really good and then truthfully that's where like the too many jump scares back to back to back are it's like yeah it's scary but it's like building this tension and having that reveal is just that much more satisfying truly and with this character it's like you get a lot of backstory with her father he seems like a really good guy and now you feel bad that he's he's dead and kind of like you said, this or is kind shocked. of like, um, yeah, yeah. This is the Hamash of the Sixth Sense. Right Sixth Sense, yeah. And, and it's, it's crazy because like I haven't seen this be used too often, like no, since the Sixth Sense. But this is the perfect well. homage for Sixth Sense. Um, and I love that there are a lot of scenes and like how I said, the editing and the camera work are really well done in this movie. Yeah, is that when it bounces back between them talking, they even show like over the shoulder shots of him, but they never show. They the never back show of the back of his head. So it's like you or see his, his back and everything. Yeah, uh, but you see it. Yeah, shoulder length. At the uh, at the highest, yep, and it's really cool. Even like rewatching it now while we're doing the podcast, I'm like, oh yeah, they did a really good job with really not showing anything. It. Yeah, yeah, they did not reveal anything like, in filmmaking. You kind of have to show like the back of people's like body to show like the um, 
the exposure of the room itself and right. the dialogue bouncing back and forth to see their uh, their reactions. And no, this movie is just it blows my mind. This movie's fucking good. Yeah. Like it's good. good. This, like this is, this is a good movie. <laughs> like I, I I don't know how to put it. Like this is such a surprising movie, and I'm so bummed out that like I did not see this closer to the time that it was released. Yeah, but like I'm I'm very excited that I'm more people part of are like this month watching it. Me too. Yeah, me too. I mean, you know, otherwise like, I don't think I would have found myself to find this movie. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot, I of like people, a lot of people don't talk about this one. Uh, a lot of people don't talk about, about, this about one. it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people in our circle know about it, yeah. right? Like, you know, because like we, on Twitter we have the, the niche, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, niche. Yeah. But like when I <clears throat> excuse me, when I see people talk about it on like uh, TikTok and shit, um, it, it it it's great because everyone in the comments is like, I've never even heard of this. Like, I've right. seen the poster, or like someone would be like, I've seen the poster and I thought the poster was cheesy, so I never wanted to check it out, and like. That's why I like cheesy posters because you never know what you're going to get. Like right, you right, have right. this same kind of concept with uh, um, Radio Silence's Southbound. Southbound, great movie. Yeah, great fucking movie, and yet it has the worst poster ever. Like it's a bad poster, uh, and you know, I, and I've even talked to Radio Silence about how bad that poster was. They're like, yeah, we had no like say in that. We asked them not to do that and they did it. And I was like, great. So, yeah, it's a bad poster, but it works fantastically because the movie is so fucking good. It's such a good movie. But, yeah, it's such a bad poster. It's not terrible. It's a shitty poster. I mean, it's it clever. Play, it's roads. It, it plays like, on know, Southbound like going to hell. I get it, but like... Oh, it's so clever. Come on. This one's better. <laughs> no, it's not. No, that's not a good poster either. Uh, but that's all they got. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know what? That's a good poster. That's a good one. That's a good poster, but that's a fan made poster. Oh, you can damn, definitely this tell. Is, yeah, this is sick. That's a good poster. That's and it's a road? Oh. That's what I'm saying. That's a good poster. This is a good poster. Yeah. She searches down the hallway, <laughs> stopping when she hears the, hears her name whispered. More whispers and laughter. One of the girls on sinisterly commenting about how dark it is. She hears screaming and yelling for someone to get down. Looking, excuse me, looking into the area as if someone is running past her. More audio scenarios play out about someone being shot, accompanied by more gunshots and someone pleading. Just hears something shuffling in the lobby. She looks over in the, in mm. the direction to a body being slowly pulled into the lobby being lifted off the ground exposing a man with his head inside of a bloody bag he stops floating and be uh, and begins slowly and oddly walking toward her this looks great his yells and screams are distorted but they cause Jess to hide behind the door coming back out for uh, with her gun drawn but nobody is nobody is there the homeless man yells for her to help, uh, yells for her help from holding she runs over to holding as he continues yelling and banging for her to let him out of there she yells for him to calm down as she fumbles for the keys to the cell asking him what's wrong as he yells for her to get him out of there he moves out of the window he moves out of the way of the window revealing the hanging family rapidly shaking their heads back and forth fucking amazing he comes back, banging on the door for her to let let him out of there. She whispers that this isn't real before walking away from the door, leaving the man to cry, leaving the man to cry to be let out. That was so fucked up, but like I, I can I can get it for her at this point. She's like, fuck that. I don't know. Uh-uh. I don't think any of this is, is going 
letting you out ain't gonna help shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Jess places her head head on the door frame, picking her head back back up when she hears the singing coming from another room. She walks down the hall, not hearing the bones, not hearing the bones cracking from the woman crawling toward her getting closer to the sound of the song as it becomes louder. She looks back to, to nothing there. Inside the room, she sees the girl sitting um, sitting on the floor in front of the mirror while singing um, uh, in front of the mirror, all singing the eerie religious tune in unison. Jess, Jess breathes heavily as they all turn their heads toward her, their face um, their face covered with bloody cloths in the shape of, in the shape of uh, it was like it was like other faces, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I couldn't really tell. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's just like, like other like bloody faces. Yeah. Just creepy imagery for yeah. being creepy. True. Their faces in the mirror, however, don't change. The door slams shut, startling oh. Jess and and having the girls all disappear. I'm glad she you pointed hears it frantic out. clattering from outside the door. I did not realize that the the mirror showed their real faces and, yeah. and then, uh, it never changes. That's really smart. That's really cool. It's pretty good. It's like pretty it. good. I, I'm a, I'm a huge. I I love that though. I yeah. love mirror duality shit. I think yeah. that is so cool. Um. Uh. It. It's. It's cool. It's just fucking cool. Yeah. She opens it back up with her gun drawn to to head inside the evidence. The room is is ransacked, leaving the mm. clothes of John and his sisters on the floor next to each other. I, I assume they're they're siblings. I don't know. But yeah, Jess has uh, has had enough calling Cohen again. He answers this time. She lets him know that um, that it is her. Annoyed, he asks if the place is on fire. She tells him that it, that it isn't. He questions if she is dying. She isn't. He's wondering why she's calling him then. She stammers that she believes that, that she is seeing things. Not sure if she can finish the rest of her shift. He comments about her not being able to handle the night alone in, the, in an empty station. Then she picked the wrong, the wrong line of work, bringing up her father that the, that the apple fell far from the tree, questioning if he has to inform the captain of her resignation, or should he expect to see her at the end of her shift. She irritatedly tells him that she, uh, she'll see him at the end of her shift. He finds that to be good, commenting for her to not call him again she hangs up the phone immediately making another call to joe he picks up she asks if uh if when he plans on being down there he explains that he's knee deep in shit literally (laughs) reminding her that he um he would call her if things change she expresses that she uh, will just wait for him in, in her squad car but he doesn't care what she does she thanks him and hangs up the phone she looks down at uh the note she looks down at her note for monica young before walking out of the room (laughs) This man, like, if I was in this moment when he asked, like, if if, if the place is on fire, I think I would have started a fire. <laughs> just to like, just to be like, yes, yeah, it yes. is, it, it, it is, is in fire. fact on fire. Yes, I'm gonna need you down here immediately. Yes. Cuts her unlocking the door and heading outside the station. The phone ringing and something invisible breathing on the glass. Jess runs back inside inside the mm. station, answering the phone. It is Monica claiming that she escaped. Jess shocked. Monica continues that she's running, just thinking that to be to be good, asking her what's around her. Monica says woods, but she needs more than that. She finds a sign that's for Carmichael Road. Jess finds that to be perfect, questioning if anyone is following her right now. She pulls out her cell phone. Monica not wanting to, wanting her to hang up. 
She doesn't she doesn't plan to. Sharon that she is going to call dispatch on her cell phone to send someone over to her location. She calls dispatch on her phone, it taking a while for them to pick up as Monica sobs that she's going to die there. Just uh, just tries to reassure her that she isn't going to die. Monica breathes and sobs sobs heavily, just questioning if if there's anything around her that she can use as a weapon. She whispers that they are right next to her, just letting her know that they're that she's there on the line with her uh, with her before the line cuts. Um, her cell phone finally goes goes through with um, to dispatch. She gives her reference number. He tells her to hold while putting the original dispatcher online. Um, he, he lets her know that they spoke earlier. She's about to give, give him her location, but he interrupts her to let her know that she's dead. She doesn't understand. Mm. Knowing that she just got off the phone with her, he explains that she's been dead for at least a year. Her being the last victim of the Payman family massacre. Her body being uh, found in the woods, beaten to, beaten to death with a baseball bat. Just doesn't understand since she was just speaking to her. He explains that there's there were only three that were linked to the to the murders, but there were over a dozen more living in a commune. There you go. So there's a few. Him thinking that she might be right and that the the calls could be coming from them, playing a sick joke. He is about to bring up bring up something that is only between the two of them, knowing that nobody likes to talk about it. Sharing that that the Payman family weren't killed on the scene; rather, they took their own life and holding. But after that, things started happening, starting starting small, like the lights turning on and off, missing evidence, abnormal sightings, to the point where they couldn't even house prep, um, house perps, uh, without them freaking out. While while he's talking, a paper drops fr- uh, into the room from another. Uh, Excuse me. While he's talking, a paper drops into the room with her. He continues, but Jess is done with the conversation, <laughs> letting them know that she has to go to approach this image. She, she slow- just hangs up so quick. Yeah, she's like, she's I like, have to I'm go. I'm done. <laughs> she slowly walks over to the image on the ground, picking it up, just to see her father shot dead mm-hmm. on the ground. She looks over to uh, over to another picture of him of an almost naked woman dead on the couch, finding more images of everyone that died on the floor from the massacre, including Ryan. She whispers for it to stop, closing her eyes just to have more photos appear lined up. She covers her ears uh, to screaming, uh, to the screaming all around her and overlapping voices of John, Dorothea, and Kitty, showing their mugshots as Jess continues trying to fight the shrieking around her. The images all catch on fire as she still holds her ears. This scene is crazy and wild, Fuck, dude. Um, this is. This is crazy. This is dark, dude. Um, yeah, no. This I've never seen something like this in a movie before. I haven't either. Where it's like, okay, yeah, like you've seen crime scene photos and like during an investigation, and someone's like going through them, but never to like have it so presented in a diabolical way. I'm just like, hey, here's the first one that's going to draw your attention. It's your own father. And, and then, then look the at all of these the victims. The whole victims. The lot. whole entire hallway is just filled with them. And you're just like, damn, so many people were victims to this uh, sadistic family. Yes. And damn. And you see Price and you're like, damn. There's a lot. And then it just catches on fire and there's a lot of scary imagery that pops up with the mug shots. 
Um, the editing, man, so good. The editing's so solid good. in this movie, like really, really solid. Transition to Jess waking up on the ground to the sound of her phone vibrating. She answers the phone. It's her mom apologizing for, for earlier, commenting about her being wrong to bring up her father. Jess notices that her gun is gone, telling her mom that she needs to call her back, hanging up the phone right before she uh, can finish I Love You. Jess, um, Jess spots someone walking to another room. She calls out to them, run, uh, running after them. Jess to get whacked in the face with a baton. With her baton, she drags into she's dragged into the interrogation room by a woman who has the has her gun. She tells Jess that she's lucky to be a part of all of this. Jess questions how um how excuse me. Jess questions on how how this is supposed to how is she supposed to know if if this is really happening. The woman waves the gun, asking her if she sees the gun in her hand. Jess tests her, thinking that the gun might still be holstered to her belt. Not flinching as she continues that she might be speaking to a wall or has batshit crazy or has gone batshit crazy as the woman um suggests that she can pull the trigger so she can find out mm-hmm. this has just leaned back into her chair back and down the woman <laughs> smirks spouting if crazy is devoting yourself to something you love then so be it uh, willing to do anything for John showing her jealousy uh when he took Dorothea and Kitty that night but she forgives him not being able to stay mad at him Jess calmly demands for her to give her give her the weapons back the woman points it at her head yelling for her to shut the fuck up smiling as she hears the door slamming in the background wondering if Jess has seen seen him there tonight she doesn't answer shifting her eyes toward the ground but that's that's enough cre- credibility for the woman explaining that that he that she's there to celebrate John's one year anniversary of his death pointing the gun to her head pulling the trigger Jess is in shock for a moment before the phone starts to ring. She cautiously grabs her belt and gun back from the woman before walking out. Cut to the phone violently vibrating as it rings. Jess slowly enters the room, placing the gun on the table before whispering yes on the phone and sitting down. At this point, she's just purely exhausted. It's Monica yelling that they know where she is. Jess pay, um. Uh, Jess's patience is completely gone as she asks who the fuck this is. Monica reiterates her name, just sharing that Monica is dead. She begins to sob on the other end before it turns into a maniacal laughter, accompanied by banging noises, mimicking as if someone is getting getting hit with a bat. It causes for Jess to flinch, stopping when she hears the crackling noise. Looking un- underneath her desk to a beaten Monica staring back at her face. She falls out of her chair, uh, crawling back into the shelves, breathing heavily as she tries to as she tries to track where the ghastly woman is. She sees her through the, the through the shelf as Monica scans around the room, bones cracking from each turn. Jess is about to move out before Monica crawls in front of her, gurgling around the corner before coming back toward Jess. Crawling closer to her, Jess seals her eyes shut as auditory flashes of Monica saying that she doesn't want to die fill the room. She opens her eyes to Monica kneeled right in front of her, pleading for her life as Monica screeches and gurgles loudly until she Suddenly, she's gone. Damn, this scene is spooky. This scene, super scary, is definitely up there. <laughs> um, I guess the the only thing I realized where I'm like, oh, it kind of takes away a little bit of the scare. It's like she was right under her desk, and then she crawls away right in front of her into the little like section. But then she goes to look for her. 
Like she didn't know where she crawled to. I I think it, which she, is fine. Like I get the the it's for scare sake. Right. So like, it's like all right, I now think that's she's what gonna try to find about. me. All right, yeah. cool. Just to rebuild that tension, yeah. like you said. And then she does have like uh, her teeth is like in her upper cheekbones, which I was yeah. like, that's a nice little touch about the baseball bat, right? Because he talked about that earlier in the interrogation. Um, no, yeah, this scene is very effective and it works very well and very spooky, very scary. Yes, it is. Um, it is. It's a good scene. It's a good scene. It's a good scene. Like it's a good scene to 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 get us to our climax almost. Yeah. Jess takes this moment to uh, try and get out of there, unlocking the door, but it's still locked. Mm. Screaming, crying, and panicking at the situation, shaking the handle. She stands back, trying to shoot the glass. The bullets dissolve into the glass. Her cell phone vibrates. She cautiously takes the phone out, checking the caller ID before answering it. It being from her dad's number. He calls her mm. Cuddlebug. And that's how that's how we get the co- correlation at that point. That, oh, well, that was her father in the photo. Yeah. Got it. Also, when she shoots the gun into that window of the, the door, that looked great. I did not see that coming. I was like, what? Yeah. You're trapped there. Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> and it, it caught me. I was like, damn. Like, it looks this good. This is cool. Yeah. It looks good. Yeah. Yeah. It looks good. A lot of the effects in this movie look good. Like, I, yeah. I didn't Even see... for the budget, like, this, yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Everything looks practical for the most part. Like, the only thing that looked a little wonky was the chairs when they were stacked on top <laughs> yeah. of each other. But, like, that was about it. Other than that, like, th- everything in this movie, practically and effects wise, looked pretty solid. Yeah. Um uh but yeah. It overall though what he did for the budget that he had pure inspirational. Like to be completely honest. Like this is probably one of the most like inspirational success stories of a low budget horror film in my opinion. And and granted it seemed like it took a little bit to find its calling or or not calling um What's the word I'm looking for? Following, um, right. almost ten years later, but that's crazy. The movie was fucking almost ten years old. I'll say it's also this insane. one's pretty up there, but uh, another one that comes to mind is Host, which yeah. pretty much got him like three movie contract deal with Jason Blum, right? Um, but yeah, no, this I love movies like this because it like shows like oh anyone could make a movie, right? If you really want to, yeah. Um, and it's really cool. Like you said, it's very inspirational and. I mean, obviously, they were able to get a bigger budget and make this remake, so... Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. I love it. Jess takes this moment to try uh, to try to get out of there, unlocking the door, but it is still locked. Screaming, crying, and panicking the situation, shaking the handle. I read all this part, but um, <laughs> let me just jump ahead. Um, yeah, it's her dad. He calls her kind of book. She immediately breaks into tears, confirming that it is her father. She sh- He shares that he missed her. She shakes her head that um, this isn't real, but he claims that it is, explaining that he's proud of her and she's just like him, strong, dedicated, and loyal to the job. She sobs that she did she did it for him. His tone shifts, questioning why she is trying to leave then. Damn. Expect- expecting her to lay down her life for this job, just like he did. She apologizes that she got scared, promising that she won't leave. He accepts that, continuing that the man um, that took his life is still in the building, wanting her to do something about that. She nods her head, calling him... Um, Calling calling out out to him, but he's no longer on the receiving end. 
um, the homeless man walks behind her, startling her um, off the phone. She follows. She follows him into the hallway. He stops, just questioning how he got got out of got out before demanding him to get get on his knees and then the floor. He obliges. She goes down to handcuff him, commenting that he's fucking killing her. After she she grabs her handcuffs, he turns around, eyes bulging out of his head from his his eyelids cut off. He screams as the lights shut off. Just pulls out the flashlight the man no longer there she goes searching down the hall not seeing the hooded woman with the with the bloody sigil on her face she goes to holding the window covered in blood she unlocks the door opening to the homeless man hanging in the middle of the cell bloody handprints and etchings all over all over the wall she looks around the room the words quote the king of hell with pentagrams uh, or the king of hell end quote with pentagrams are drawn on the wall turning back to the man hanging she calls on her walkie that she needs assistance but all she receives is static gurgle shrieking and singing more screaming and singing until something oozes out of the walkie she throws it to the ground it continuing to ooze before the distorted singing stops john standing outside of holding with his bloody cloth wheezing and screeching just screams and moves back into holding the door closing on her she decides not to even try for the door as a light flickers on um as a light flickers on for her behind her a sheet showing what what happened that night um, they were taken to the station. John John hands the two women excuse me. John hands the two women something. They proceed to bite bite into their hands, spitting out blood, drawing a pentagram on their sheets. John assisting them as they put it on. He finally puts it puts his on his face, but his isn't sporting any sigil. He eventually turns around. All of them start staring directly at Jess as she moves back, knowing something is off. John, actually in the room with her, removes his sheet, revealing his pentagram-scarred demonic face, his teeth insanely sharp as Jess moves back. The payment woman also also there with the what their or excuse me, the payment women also there with their hoods over their heads, smiling and licking around their lips from bloody teeth. John screams a hellish screech as she moves back out of the room, the door unlocked. Ryan is standing at the end of the hallway, telling her to come on, swearing on his life that he's not fucking with her. He then puts proceeds to put his fingers in his mouth, mimicking a gun. A shot fires through his head, blood pulling out of his nose and mouth as eyes roll in the back of his head. Jess watches in fear, but runs as John comes out of the doorway, screeching. She runs out of the door. The photo of her and her dad is stuck in the door. Damn. There's a lot happening right now. There's so much happening, and it's all spooky and scary. It is. Even when Price gets back, it's like, I'm joking, I swear. Or it's like, I'm not joking, I swear. Yeah. Uh, and then shoots himself. I'm like, what the fuck? It's really, um, this movie's bonkers. It's crazy. It's all over the place, and it's um, chaotic. It is. Uh, it reminds me of Mayhem a little bit. There's so much going on. Um, the, even with all the moving parts, it's still able to... I guess tell that scary uh, scene that they're trying to show the actual audience, and it, it works, especially with the thing that transmits to like him being on like the the curtain, and then he's actually in the room. It's like that's that a real so cool, cool transition. Um, <coughs> yeah, like I said, they do such a great job of making this a very creative and smart film when they play off like these tropes and stuff like that too. And I feel like I haven't seen anything like this before too. This is a fun one. Cool. 
And cool. they do such a great job with the budget. They do. Like, they like, make goes back to that great. budget, man. Yeah. Goes back to that budget. She takes the photo saying her code of conduct to regain her composure and remind herself why she's there. Her phone vibrates. She takes it out, answering her dad's phone call. He tells her that they're coming and she has to stop them, doing whatever it takes. She questions who is coming, but he doesn't answer her. The door rattles down the hall. She has her gun at the ready, walking down the hallway, yelling for hooded, um, yelling for the hooded men in the lobby to not move before they have a shootout. It goes full John Wick in this motherfucker. She fires at them <laughs> as real. they fire back. She uses the door as a shield. Them yelling that she's going to die to come and uh, to come find them. She walks the other other way down the hall, firing at another one of them, running uh, running across the hall, but she misses. They yell that quote Father Payment's ghost belongs to them. End quote. She questions running and she continues running and searching down the hall, making it into the evidence room. Nobody inside there. They start squealing like pigs. Just firing another shot as one walks past an opening but she misses again coming face to face with one of them firing and connecting the shot this time not wasting any time continuing down the hallway searching for the rest of them they taunt her as she searches for them finding another uh, finding another one shooting him in the head kicking his gun away just to make sure continuing his search the man um, claiming that john is more righteous than she is claiming that she'll die she shoots him he tries crawling out of the back door but she demands for him not to move the man eerily comments that quote the body will soon resurrect as flesh and all who oppose him will perish end quote she shouts no before putting a bullet in his head just as then shot by co She's shocked as she sits on the ground from her wound. She looks over at the man, it revealing that it was one of the bio cleanup people, Joe. Right before they showed them that it was the hazmat guys. Yeah. Um, I thought like, oh, he's in on it. That's why he made her stay, and he's part of like the ritual. Maybe he has to like, oh, her dad. Yeah. Yeah. But um, nope. Nope. He told yeah. her that because he. It, it was the fucking uh, it was John all along like mm. posing to be her dad and, and saying all this shit obviously to have her stay there and cause he knew he, she was gonna hallucinate yeah it revealing that Jess was hallucinating Joe shouts for help asking about uh, what, what is she doing telling her who, who he is she yells for him to drop the weapon he pleads for her not to do this she takes the shot mm. it reversing in time to bring us back to Jess on the ground sobbing that it wasn't him revealing that all the hazmats are shot dead she repeats that it wasn't him to Cohen he calls on dispatch that he has an officer down um, uh, that needs medical attention she stares at him in the shining light, singing the song that hunted her the whole night. John and his loyal followers appearing appear smiling. He drops his smile to put uh they like walk in. They like walk yeah. past uh uh Cohen. Um and he drops his smile to pick put a sack over her head. Then credits. I love this movie. This movie fucking rules. I agree that the ending is a bit lackluster, but overall, still a fun movie. Still fun. Like, like yeah, it doesn't yeah, ruin right. it. No, not at all. Yeah, so like, I very much enjoy this fucking movie. Um, I think there's only a few movie facts. Not too many. A few movie facts? A few movie facts. Uh, the... N- Ad. Uh, ad. Blue Beetle. All right, so back to Blue Beetle. So <laughs> <laughs> the name... the. 
the name Payman is taken from the demon named Payman. There you go. Um, according to the Goetia, the lesser key of Solomon the king, Payman is one of the kings of hell, more obedient to Lucifer than the other kings, and has 200 legions of demons under his rule. This is the prequel to Hereditary. There you go. <laughs> the letters in the ceiling spell so, which is a female pig. Cops are referred to as pigs, and she's also a female cop. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's why I said, like... Interesting. I no, didn't I put really the correlation together. Yeah. Like, I did when we were talking about it more, but, like, before, I did not put the two and two together. Uh, when Officer Lauren arrives at the police station, Sergeant Cohen orders her to turn around. This is likely to ensure Officer Lo- uh, Lauren is alive as opposed ah, to Officer Price, who was later revealed to have a bullet hole in the back of his head. Cool. Good shit. Yeah. Right on. That was it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that was all we got. But let us know what you think of the last shift over on Twitter at nightlight underscore pod or over on our Discord because Twitter is still going to shit. Um, so <laughs> definitely let us know because we want to keep this conversation going with you for sure. Now, the next film that we are going to be covering is not yet announced because it is chosen by our ghoulish knights. And if you would also like to be a part of that poll, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash nightlightpod. And that is at any tier. You do not have to sign up for the $5 tier or the $10 tier. You're more than welcome to sign up for any tier um, to also be a part of those polls. So by all means, go ahead and check it out um, and join in and pick the next film for us. We're actually going to be doing something that's going to be really special too, where our ghoulish knights are going to pick the whole month for us hey so that's gonna be a lot of fun but this was nightlight a horror movie podcast i was one of your hosts prince also known as head nights alongside me we had freddie always giving it spoopy always and forever also known as nighty night with your help we can reach more ghoulish nights with your recommendation to someone who would actually enjoy the show if your podcast app allows you to rate our show consider giving us a five-star rating as it honestly does help us out a ton to uh be for seen by more people for extra horror related content head over to patreon.com slash nightlight pod that's not with a word okay remember everybody don't forget your nightlight